Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I think it was Monday morning. I was lying in bed and uh, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and put a verse in my heart. I, w- I want to share with you this verse. And I think this verse is going to mean something to many, many people here. Malachi 4, verse 2. But uh, to you who fear my name, the Lord says, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. To you who fear my name, to you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The, the reference to the Son of Righteousness arising clearly in Scripture is a reference to God Himself. Uh, in Isaiah 60 verse 1 it says this Arise, shine for what? Your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise and shine. That's not what I thought at 5 o'clock this morning. I said Lord I am arising but the shining that will have to come later. <laughs> Arise and shine For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Prophesying about Christ, Isaiah in chapter 9 and verse 2, he says something like this, For those who walk in darkness, they've seen a great light. We read it every every Christmas time. God, in his word, describes himself in many, many ways, and one of them, is this. He describes himself like the sun. The sun. Full of light, full of glory, and here arising. The sun of righteousness shall rise or arise with healing in its wings. Now in a moment I want to talk about healing because We want to pray in just a few minutes for the most extraordinary release of God's miracle healing. We believe that God is a healer. We believe especially that Christ showed God's healing power and showed the will of God to be a healer. So we're going to think about that in just a moment. But first of all, here is this incredible promise. Because I know and you know that you can be sat in church, even in this church or any of the great churches in this city. And while everyone is cheering and celebrating Easter, 
you might feel like you are in fact in the darkness. The way God made our world is really quite phenomenal. Something we take for granted all the time. And that is that our day is made up of dark and light. We take that purely for granted, but every day, every 24 hours, there is a great period of darkness, blackness, depending on where you live, and another period of brightness, the daylight and the nighttime. And God designed each day just like that. So it shouldn't really come as any great surprise that our lives also can fall into that same kind of uh, cycle. That our lives can be a combination of days and nights. And we have permission as the people of God Those who know Christ, those who enjoy the presence of Christ, we have permission, even from the Lord, to appreciate that sometimes we are in the night, not the bright. Earlier this week, uh, we were fiddling with the lights at the front of the church and uh, trying to get them to work. And um, if the guy had stayed around long enough, he'd have had a pound Easter egg this morning. But he was fiddling with the lights. And uh, he's, not a, he's not a Christian. And we were stood there. And if you've ever put up security lights, they come on in the dark, you know. They come on on a sensor. It's, it's that kind of thing. So hopefully, when you come here in the evening now, you'll be able to see yourself coming in. But anyway, we stood there. We said, well, we'll we'll just wait. We'll just wait for these lights to go off. And you know, you stand there waiting. Because we wanted to test out if the sensor would work when you crossed the line. So we waited and waited. I started growing a beard and we we were there a while, you know. And uh, in the end, he said to me, I'm going to go and get the ladder. I said, don't get the ladder. Because as soon as you get the ladder, that's when they're going to go off, isn't it? I said, that's how it works. And he looked at me a bit strange. He said, what? He said, you being a Christian, believe that. I said, I'm afraid I do. He said, I'm, a Christ- I'm not a Jedi knight. <laughs> I'm a Christian. And if you set that light for four minutes, the fact that I'm born again isn't going to override that. I'm not going to use my Jedi powers on it. That's how it's going to be. He had this funny idea that if I was a Christian, that I should think that everything was going to go well. Well, I hope if you've been in this church long enough, you'll know that we, as we open the Word of God, we realize that although God is with us, not everything does go well. And in the Bible, the people who followed Christ in the Bible, not everything went well for them all the time. And so there's nothing wrong. Our faith is not broken. Uh, we haven't found ourselves in some sort of strange religion where we think everything should be good, but it's not. Sometimes we have dark times. And I felt like God wanted to talk to you. 
And I felt like God wanted to say a message to people who right now are in what they might term the dark. Thank God that in the dark there is always the moon. And I won't tell the story again today, but many years ago in Brazil, in a very dark moment for me, both emotionally and literally, God spoke to me to remind me of a verse in Genesis that I barely knew was even there. The verse that says this, and he made the lesser light, the moon, to govern the night. See, even in our darkest times, there is the moon. And this is true for you in your personal life as well. That in the darkness, in things that are, that are breaking up, relationships in chaos, finances spread far too thin, uncertainty, sickness and illness and pain, depression, yes we appreciate Christians can also be depressed. In the midst of all this, there is a lesser light to govern the night. Many of you know years ago I used to work in a cave and I always feel odd saying that. But one of the things I used to do, I used to take the people into the cave. It was a pretty cave. You bought postcards of it at the end. That's the kind of cave it was. And I took them around the cave and said, look how pretty it is. That's like, nice, isn't it? Now quickly, let's leave. There's another group coming. <laughs> Would you like to stay behind? I'm afraid you can't. Hurry. Hurry! There's another group coming. and I'll be fired if you're still in here. <laughs> I've come to see the cave. I know that. Buy a postcard like everyone else. <laughs> Are there still saber-toothed tigers in here? Yes, there's one coming up behind you. Quick. <laughs> anyway, we used to take him to a deep, dark part of the cave where I used to light a fire, a proper like caveman fire. And uh, health and safety would never allow it anywhere else. But in a cave, you're sort of okay. Rocks don't burn. Even the plastic ones that they glued on, they won't burn. So I'm burning this fire. And then what I do is I take a cloth. And it's all, it's all part of my act. While I'm just chatting with them about, you know, the cave and all that, I fling this cloth. I mean, I'm really, I know you can't believe I'd ever do it, but I fling it. Harlem Globetrotter. I fling it. And it nearly always landed on the fire. And as it landed on the fire, it put the fire out. And suddenly the whole cave is completely uh, black, dark. So everyone's going, ooh. <laughs> and this is my favorite bit. Sometimes at work, you've just got to enjoy yourself, haven't you? So I used to say, how are you all doing? <laughs> be about 50 of them in the, in the pitch black. I say, don't worry. Have a look at your hand. You'll feel a lot better. And it ain't there. <laughs> if I'm feeling particularly mean, I used to say, look behind you. So they look, there's nothing there. I say, do you want me to put the lights on? Meanwhile, I've gone over to the light switch. They don't know that. So I'm over by the light switch now. 
Do you want me to put the lights on? Yes, they say. One key's in the back. No, you know, but many. Yes. Hands up if you want me to put the light on. And I went, hit the light switch. The lights go on. And all these people with their hands are, who me? That was dark. That was dark. But every now and then, in the cave, because we're taking all these people through all the time, there'd be another group behind me or in front of me, not far enough. And they wanted the light on where they were, right? So sometimes I'd do this little trick. And actually, if you keep a seat, it wasn't completely dark at all. And that's the bit where I didn't go, look behind you. Because if I had, I'd have gone, oh yeah, it's, it's actually quite bright. Because <laughs> there was another guide with a light. Here's the truth of the word of God to you. Sometimes we can get really depressed. Sometimes your health is not good. Sometimes three awful things can happen in the same week. Am I, am I telling the truth? Yeah. But hear the word of the Lord. He's never going to leave you in the dark. Because there's two truths I want to bring to you. Number one, there's always a lesser light. You look for it. God won't leave you in the dark. But second, and this is the word I want to bring to you today. I felt like there have been people here, and maybe listening online, I don't know, but going through the most incredible struggles. A struggle of uncertainty, a struggle about the future, a struggle about a relationship with the family, or incredible tension at work, and you have known what it is to put on your happy face real good. You've known what it is to wear the smile and, and look like you're coping. And by the way, congratulations for doing that. Because that takes strength of character, that takes energy too. But I felt like God wanted to say this. I am about to break out in your life. The dawn is coming. The dawn is coming. And the sun of righteousness is going to rise in your life. With healing in its wings. Wings, I, I never like, you know, it's not wings, it's rays. One of the Bible verses says, we will arise on the wings of the dawn. It means the light of the sun. God has the ability to turn darkness into light. God has the ability to bring a sunrise. But notice the condition. To those who fear my name. To those who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. I've met plenty of people who in some way believe they are Christians, but they do not in any way fear 
the name of the Lord. So we're not talking now about having a church membership card that's going to bring this about. We're not talking now about occasionally attending church and that's what's going to bring this about. We're talking about those who will honor and fear the name of the Lord. I was with a beautiful pastor this week, just starting out in his leadership life, right here in the city of Cambridge. Cambridge has some great churches and some great, great pastors in it. Men who fear God, men and women serving God in all the churches all around this city. You know, it's a great, great city of churches and leaders. But I was with one man who's just sort of beginning. And he said, I want to lead uh, my church. He said, but I'm, I'm mindful of what it says right here in Joshua. It says, you're going to lead the people, but be mindful of this, that this book of the law should not depart from you one day. When we go through a difficult time, that's not the time to curse God. That's not the time to abandon God. That's the time to fear God all the more. And to honor God all the more. To those who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in its wings. Sometimes, listen to me now, you can forget in the dark what you believed in the light. A great example from the Bible would be John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, he's a pretty good guy. Started the Baptist church. Can you say amen? No, he didn't really. He didn't really. John the Baptist. And in the light, in the presence of a heavenly vision, he pinpointed Jesus out. This is the Lamb of God. Jesus said of him that there was no one greater than him that had ever been born. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? No one greater than him that had ever been born. No prophet ever greater than him. Kind of helps us to redefine what a prophet is. Because as far as I know, John the Baptist didn't hold meetings where he went up to people and going, you're from California. Ooh. And your name is Susan, Sam, Samantha, Sean, Sean. Yes. He didn't do any of that. But he was a prophet of God because he spoke the word of God. But in the light, he was amazing. He, he pointed at Jesus and said, this is the Messiah. And then he was imprisoned. Then his bright day turned to night. And he was imprisoned by order of the king, or the tetrarch, Herod. And there comes a day in his dark prison cell when he says to his disciples, I want you to go to him and ask him this, is he really the one or should we look for someone else? What happened? He forgot in the dark what he had learned 
in the light. Listen to this. You're supposed to take the things you learn in the light with you into the tunnel. Can you say amen? And you can this time. You're supposed to learn things in the light to take you into the tunnel. You're supposed to be fueled up for the journey. Not that you can get fuel at the moment, of course. Someone said to me, you better get some petrol. It's running out. Fill your bath with petrol. I said, I can't. It's full of stamps. No, he took what he'd learned in the light and he took it into the tunnel. He took it into the night. That's what he's supposed to do. If you're going through a bad time, let me awaken this in your spirit. God is good. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. You remember that. You're in a place of weakness, disorientated emotionally, spiritually, even physically. It's nighttime, but remember what you heard in the day. That God should be your strength and your shield. That God would be the strong tower of your life. Do you remember that song from years ago? The name of the Lord is... Remember all that? Church used to be so energetic. A strong tower... The righteous run into they are say English people don't like doing that. We like it nice and reserved. The name of the Lord. But a whole load of a whole load of people were singing that God was their strong tower. They didn't really believe it. But hear the word of the Lord today. He's a strong tower. Things go wrong. Doors don't open that you thought would. Your kids don't do what you thought they were going to do. But hear the word of the Lord. The son of righteousness will rise. I'm a teacher. I teach the word of God. That's really my job. I don't know if I'm much good at anything else. But I teach the word of God. That's really my job. So I don't claim to be a prophet, but I prophesy today that there are people in this room going through a dark night and the dawn is coming very, very soon. And until it breaks, fear the Lord reinstall on the hard drive of your spirit the things that you learned years ago. Do not rewrite the character of God because of the road you are on. Rewrite your road according to the character of God. 
I want you to turn quickly to the book of Acts and chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Finally, this verse, the son of righteousness, has often been considered to be messianic. That means that it is in some way a prophecy about the Messiah. And I'm going to finish with these very, very quick thoughts now. Then we're going to pray. People have looked at this verse. They've thought about the Son of Righteousness arising. And of course, it's reminded them, especially in the English language, of the rising of the Son, Jesus Christ, from the grave. That probably wasn't what it originally meant. But people have seen it as messianic. They've drawn some application from it. That the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. In other words, that Christ would rise from the dead. And because Christ would rise from the dead, a giant shadow of miraculous healing would be spread across the generations. Because he now lives, he can touch me. When he's in the tomb, he cannot heal. But now that he's out of the tomb, he can heal me. He can turn my life around. He can physically touch my body. There's an occasion in Acts chapter 9, let's read it, where the apostle goes into a, a dwelling place. As Peter traveled about the country, Acts 9 verse 32, everyone with me? Say I. He went to visit the saints in Lydda and there he found a man named, oh I can never say this word, let's say Aeneas, but that might be wrong. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who'd been bedridden for eight years. And Peter says something really odd to him. He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and tidy up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. I bet they did. But it's this extraordinary verse. He doesn't say to him, I'm going to pray for you. He doesn't say to him, I want to, I've got a special charismatic gift. I'm going to heal you. In other parts of Acts, it says something like that, that Paul healed them. But here, as though trying to make a, a point that's so vital, Peter says, it's not me that's going to do any healing. Jesus Christ heals you. Now, get up. Tidy up your mat. I wonder what he'd done on the mat. You ever wonder about that? Pick up your bed. 
Really? Can't I pick it up later? Rise up and walk. And after eight years, strength not only came back into him, but all of his muscles began to work and were strengthened instantly. And he stood up and everyone who saw it, they became Christians straight away. I want you to imagine, you're so terribly ill. You're living 2,000 years ago. Someone has told you that Jesus of Nazareth has come to Jerusalem. You say, we've got to get there. You've heard in places where he'd done miracles all over the place. In Galilee, in Capernaum, Nazareth, and all around the Decapolis. We've got to get to Jesus. So you begin your journey. Maybe you carry someone paralyzed on a bed. Maybe you help someone who's blind and cannot see. So you have to guide them all the way. It's many, many miles. No National Express, can you say amen? No, you have to walk it. Is that, is that, is that donkey for hire? Yeah, let's go. And they get to Jerusalem, but it's taken many days. By the time they arrive there, they say, can you show us where is Jesus of Nazareth? And the innkeeper says, shh, don't you mention that you know him? Why? He's been arrested. They crucified him yesterday. What? But we've come here. This man cannot walk. This lady cannot see. We've come to find Jesus of Nazareth. He's been arrested and crucified. Tell us where he is. He's, he's dead. He's gone. They say that he's in a borrowed tomb. No more. No more can the hand of Christ heal that blind eye. No more can the hand of Christ touch that leg or speak a word of power and the devil flee. No more. But up from the grave, he arose. With a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose, the victor of the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. You know this song? He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. And suddenly, the living Christ gets back into action. Suddenly, Peter and John are going to a place of prayer and there is a man lame. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Jesus who had been dead was now alive and living inside those men. Jesus Christ heals you. And the man leaps up. And everything becomes strong. A few weeks later, people are being brought into the streets of Jerusalem. The streets. 
so that those who might get near the apostles, but it wasn't the apostles who had the power, it was Jesus who had the power, so that even Peter's shadow might pass over them, but it wasn't the shadow of Peter that was touching them, it was the shadow of Jesus that was touching them. Hallelujah. Peter is later required to go to a place, Dorcas, a little girl becomes sick and she dies. He takes her by the hand, Tabitha, arise. The Bible says immediately her eyes opened and she sat up. What did Peter do? Give her medicine? Not a bit of it. Peter did nothing, but Jesus brought her back to life. The son of righteousness had arisen with healing in his wings. Paul was in Lystra preaching. While he was there, he looked at a man. He saw that he had faith to be healed. Acts 14, verses 8 to 10. And he said to him, stand up on your feet. And the man stood up and was healed. In chapter 20, Paul preaches for such a long time that a man dies during his sermon. Yes. Yes. He's listening to Paul and it says, Paul preached all day. And eventually the guy just fell out the window. Cool. That's long. He was dying to get out of there. And Paul said, don't worry. He ran down. He ran down. Why? Because he was gifted? No. Because he had some anointing? No. Because they were playing the right music? No. Because the son of righteousness had arisen with healing in his wings. And he threw himself on the boy, just like Elijah did with the dead boy. And the boy came back to life and went home. I bet he never went to that meeting again, though. Should we go and hear Paul preach? No, why don't we just, why don't we just try another church? All this falling out the window is not good. One more, a few years later, Paul and Luke find themselves shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They go and see the chief official of the island. His name was Publius. And his, excuse me, his father had fever and dysentery. The Bible says Paul placed his hands upon him. He was healed. And then it's the next verse. The next verse says this. After the man was healed, the rest of the sick on the island came. And all of them were cured. Because Jesus was alive. And what he began to do, he continues to do. He still forgives sins. He still releases people from the grip of Satan. And he still heals the sick today. You don't need some special person to pray for you. We don't need some special atmosphere. All we need is him. All we need is him. A few weeks ago we were in Nottingham. In a church in a very poor area. As we pulled up outside the church. We just parked near the windows. were all smashed in of a house. It was a rough part of town. 
I looked at Jane and I thought, now might be a good time to put my iPad in the boot. <laughs> Mate, maybe. It looked rough around there. And I preached to this gathered group of people. This is just a fortnight ago, is it? Something like that. And I preached so simply because I thought they, they don't know anything about the Bible at all. Maybe I underestimated them actually, but who knows? And then they began to come forward and one after the other, they began to be cured of things. Immediately, within seconds, within seconds, all pain just came out of this lady's body. She began moving and crying. Her friend looked at her and went, well, I want some of that. And within seconds, her knees were cured and she was crying. I was crying. I didn't worry about my iPad anymore. I worried about it later once the meeting was over. But in that moment, wow, this is the power of the risen Christ. And the reason I mention it is because as everyone was looking and wondering what was going on, all I could say is this. I just want you to know one thing. I am not curing any of these people. So Jesus Christ must be in this room now. He must have arisen with healing in his wings. So I want to encourage you. We're going to pray now. We're going to ask God to do what only he can do. Do the impossible. And I want to encourage you, as we mentioned before, going through the darkness. If you will fear the Lord, if you will put into practice the things you heard in the light and put them into practice in the dark, looking to the moon of Christ, looking to that little glimmer of of light that he will always give you. Your dawn will break. And God is going to arise on you. And you will arise and shine because your light will have come. And the glory of the Lord will have risen upon you. I'll finish with this one tiny thought. There's a moment in the Easter story when They come to the tomb. They find it empty. And the angel says this to them. It's in Mark chapter 16. Just a tiny detail, but I want you to see it. He says to them this. He's going to go ahead of you into Galilee. He's risen and he's gone to Galilee. You imagine that coming to the tomb. He's risen. Where is he? Well, actually, he's actually gone to Galilee, which was many miles away. But this is what the angel says, and this is what gripped me this week. Listen, 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 listen. He says to them, just as he told you. (laughs) Of course he's not here. He's gone to Galilee. He's risen and gone to Galilee, just as he told you. As though to say to them, come on, guys. He told you that's what he was going to do. Don't you believe it? And we don't have any angels here today, although some of you women look amazing. Let me rephrase that. All of you women look amazing. <laughs> no angels here. And some of you men are really handsome. All of you men are really handsome too. Just get everything clear there. But when your dawn comes, God will whisper in your ear, listen, he'll say this to you. I told you. So save yourself a lot of angst 
and believe his word today. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.